everyone, and welcome back to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up in this episode, ask any employer what their greatest HR challenge is, and most will say managing sickness absence. It's something of a minefield confirmed by a recent tribunal case in which an employee who was sacked for taking over 300 sick days, yes, 300, was found to have been unfairly dismissed. What on earth did the employer do wrong, and what can you do to avoid a similar fate? Plus, the HSE has updated its guidance to employers regarding new and expectant mums. Why the reason for the update and what must you do to avoid falling foul of the law whilst ensuring everyone stays safe? Keep listening for our ready-to-use advice. You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. We were very interested by a tribunal case which ruled that an employee who was sacked for taking over 300 sick days, yeah, that's not too far short of a year, was unfairly dismissed. Why? Well, when you're managing sickness absence, as many employers have to do, what must be disregarded from the sick leave calculations to avoid falling into the same trap as the employer in this case? Well, let's look briefly at the case facts. And they are uh, that Caroline McKenzie was sacked by the University Hospitals of Leicester NHS Trust for taking over 300 sick days during her employment. Her absence was related to severe migraines, anxiety and depression, something which many employees are battling with, and which she struggled to control with medication. The absences generally lasted for one or two days. Now, over the course of her employment, she was given numerous warnings about the number of sick days that she had taken. Specific attendance targets were implemented in 2019. However, following a deterioration in her mental health, Mackenzie had taken 76 days by the end of 2019. This led to her being sacked the following August after her employer had triggered its sickness absence management plan. Now, she then trotted off to the employment tribunal and claimed unfair dismissal, disability discrimination and failure to make reasonable adjustments. She won all of those claims in the tribunal. It found in her favour because her sickness absence was disability related. It should have... Uh, been disregarded from uh, its sickness absence calculations. Instead, Mackenzie was dismissed due to her disability-related sickness absence. As well as being an unfair dismissal, this was discrimination. What can you learn from this? Well, don't dismiss an employee or take any disciplinary action due to disability-related sick days. Not all conditions will be obvious disabilities. It depends on how they affect the employee on a day-to-day basis and whether the condition has or will last at least 12 months. If you're unsure about whether a condition amounts to a disability, discuss it with the employee in the first instance and if necessary, seek their permission to obtain a medical report. Our advice is it's just not worth taking the risk. Otherwise, you could 
uh, end up on the wrong end of a very expensive tribunal claim. So, in summary, sick days caused by disability-related conditions must always be disregarded from sickness absence calculations. If you're unsure about whether a condition is a disability, seek the employer's permission to obtain a medical report. Hope you found this helpful and therefore you won't fall into the same trap uh, as the employer in this case. So what is the latest advice for employers relating to expectant mums? Well, actually, the HSC has recently updated its guidance to employers regarding new and expectant mothers. Why the reason for the update and what must you do as a result? Well, the reason is that it seems that thousands of expectant mothers are actually being forced to leave their jobs due to risk factors in the workplace not being addressed. As a result, the HSC has strengthened its guidance to emphasise the importance of ongoing open discussions. It focuses on your duty as an employer to carry out an individual risk assessment that covers your workers' specific needs after they've informed you in writing, notice it has been writing, that they are pregnant, are breastfeeding, or have given birth in the last six months. The legislation, which is found in the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations, require you to manage the risks to women of of a childbearing age, pregnant workers and new mothers to act on advice from a doctor or midwife if night work will affect their health and explain your duties once notified a worker is pregnant, has given birth in the last six months or is breastfeeding. Now, you're forced to consider any worker because they meet these criteria regardless of length of service. So remember, this is a day one right and the Equality Act makes it unlawful to dismiss or discriminate against these workers. So how can you protect your staff? Well, you must reduce, remove or control any risk identified that could harm the worker or child during pregnancy and breastfeeding and let your workers know about any safety measures that that you have put in place so that they continue to work safely. Whilst the advice is to include new and expectant mothers in every general risk assessment you do, It's actually considered good practice to carry out a specific one once you've been notified, especially if you're in a high-risk industry. So that's the latest guidance from the HSE. Hope that's all clear to you. Just to summarise, the guidance emphasises the need for individual risk assessments for new and expectant mums. And the best advice really is to liaise with a worker and to use a risk assessment to meet your legal obligations. Hope you found this helpful. Can you believe it? We've reached the end of another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. But don't worry, we will be back again very soon with even more incisive advice that you can apply apply to your business on a daily basis. But for now, thanks for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk.